a reminder, we are launching our first cohort of students in January of 2024, about two to three months from now. And we're going to be teaching biblical anatomy and physiology live. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin, after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest. And the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. That is Leviticus 13, verses 6 through 8. Welcome to Biblical Anatomy. Excited to have you with us. Today we get to share just yet another example on how our anatomy is biblical. We're going to talk about epithelial tissues, the different types of cells present in epithelial tissues, and I hope this answers some questions that you may have. <clears throat> excuse me, as it pertains to anatomy and physiology. As a reminder, we are launching our first cohort of students in January of 2024, about two to three months from now. And we're going to be teaching biblical anatomy and physiology live. And we'll be doing that online. And so you can go to our website, biblicalanatomy.com and check out further details. We are going through the process of a website change right now. Should have that done in the next 14 days. Uh, regardless, our old website or our new website will get you to the right place and you can enroll in what we have <clears throat> to start in January. Or you can enroll to start early to see what recorded classes we have available at this time. We have a course on uh, American Psychological Association formatting, commonly known as APA. Uh, if you currently are in an English class that requires formatting, specifically APA, that could be of service to you. And we also have a course that's more broad for really all different types of students. It's called Transitions of the Bible, or Translations of the Bible. Excuse me, I still have last week's lecture uh, of different transitions we were talking about. But Translations of the Bible. I personally am an ESV guy, and we talk more about this on Wednesdays. That course takes you through different translations that we have at our disposal today. So those two classes are available and recorded. As each semester goes by, the courses that have been live will be recorded, and they will be put into the vault, if you will, and they'll be available in that recorded asynchronous plan. We essentially have two plans, a synchronous or live plan, which is going to be $316 a month for all the live courses. And on top of that, you get all the recorded courses, which are included in the lower plan for $31.60. The major advantage of the higher priced plan is that you have access to me or whatever instructor is teaching that course live to ask questions and communicate with and get you through some tough subject material. When we teach biblical anatomy and physiology, I've been getting a lot of questions as to why is that different or how is that different from traditional anatomy and physiology. And I'm so glad that that question is asked because it blows the top off traditional anatomy and physiology. First of all, and the most important thing, and if I was done after this statement, it would be enough. It gives credit to our creator God. 
Simple as that. Now in that, we go through and we include biblical statements just like we do here in the podcast to show students how what we just discussed in a specific part of a chapter or a specific part of a system relates to something that was mentioned biblically. And so we can always tie back what is taught in anatomy and physiology, and we can do that by bringing it back to something that was taught biblically and something that occurred in history. And so we look forward to the opportunity to do that and look forward to the opportunity through this podcast to continue sharing stories and answering some of these questions little by little. Again, today we're going to discuss the different characteristics of epithelial tissue in biblical anatomy and physiology. We're going to bring together Christians who seek to understand their biblical anatomy to connect science with scripture so we can better understand God's handiwork in our lives. Trying something a little bit different with uh, time of day recording, and that has changed the lighting. I like to try and rely on natural light as much as possible. So if this is too dark, let me know. Um, But there's no lights on in this room. This is just light coming in from the outside, the light that God has provided for us. Still early enough in the morning to be enjoying coffee. Um, I try to do a blend of coffee uh, to make sure that I'm not upsetting my stomach too much. Mm -hmm. If you're like me and you have a difficult time handling coffee, I actually drink a mushroom coffee, and I'd be happy to recommend the brand that I go with if you have similar issues in that regard. But that's off schedule and off topic. Let's get to today's story and link that with the content of epithelial tissue. You wouldn't tell by looking at me because I have this beard, but I have about a two to three inch scar underneath this beard. Right on my right jawline, right on the jawline, I have about a two to three inch scar and it's from basal cell carcinoma. Basal cell carcinoma is a form of skin cancer. If you had to select a skin cancer type that you would have, that would be the type that you would select. It tends to grow in width, but doesn't grow as much in depth and is much less dangerous than something like melanoma. Now, perhaps in a future episode, we'll talk about specific types of skin cancers and go in depth with them, but this does impact an epithelium, epithelium being our skin, and it does point to understanding abnormalities that we may have in this epithelial tissue to best discern when it's time to get something checked out. For me, it was hard to notice because of the length of my beard, even though at that time my beard was much shorter. It wasn't until I actually trimmed it down quite short that I really noticed how big of a problem there was. Uh, I actually let the growth continue for about two years before I had it removed, which was a really silly thing to do. There were other signs that I should have noticed that caused worry or should have caused worry. Um, and not to use my beard as an excuse. I think it was more my mentality of I don't need to go to the doctor was an excuse. But I'm thankful that by the time I did make it to the doctor, it was just a record-setting scar and nothing more. So uh, that's not the reason why I have a beard today to hide the scar, but it is a benefit, and I do uh, am, am thankful for that. But when we examine our epithelial tissues, at least the ones we can see, They are unique in their ability to defend against outside pathogens, outside environmental differences, and give us warning signs that there's something wrong. 
And so regardless of the epithelial tissue, it's important that we examine it, we look at it, and we make sure that there isn't something abnormal appearing. Uh, I do this through a dermatologist, and I have them check me once a year, sometimes once every six months, depending on what we're looking at. And uh, this gives me peace of mind that everything on the outer epithelial, the skin, is contained to the best of human ability. Obviously, beyond that, with any type of ailment, whether it be internal to the body or external to the body, I seek prayer and rely on God for his design of my life and where he's going to take me with that. As for today's lecture in epithelial tissues, we're going to get kind of nerdy for a minute here, and we're going to talk about the different names of them, but I'll break each one down very simplistically and tell you where it gets its name and what the purpose of it is. And that's the main thing, what the purpose or the physiology of it is. And if you think in that way on why would we have a specific type of tissue in this specific area, you can better remember what the name of it is because of the characteristics of that shape or that style. So we'll start, again, these are all epithelial cells. Epithelial is something that divides internal from external. So anywhere in your body that does that is going to have an epithelial tissue. Now, we'll start with the easy stuff. Skin, epithelial. Clearly outside of my body is outside and inside my body is inside. So that's an epithelial tissue. But we wouldn't think of the inside of our mouth or the inside of our throat to be epithelial. But if you think about it, as air comes in or food comes in, that is something from the external environment that is working its way inward. And it's actually, by anatomy and physiology terms and definitions, not truly internal to the body until it reaches our blood system. Now, we don't go straight into the mouth and through the cheek into the blood system, but we go down into the stomach and we go into the small intestines. And through one of the three parts of the small intestine, either the duodenum, the jejunum, or the ileum, we absorb what we need. And once absorption occurs, we're now in the blood system and we're now internal to the body. So what that means is you essentially have a hollow tube through your body. And if whatever air or food is within that hollow tube, it is still considered external, which means <clears throat> that that tube itself is made of epithelial tissues. When we're at the level of the neck, the throat, we actually have two pathways. We have a respiratory pathway and we have a gastrointestinal pathway. That hollow tube that goes all the way through would be gastrointestinal. But in the throat, as it divides and you go into the trachea, that tube works its way down into the lungs. That is also considered epithelial tissue because it is a border from internal to external. Whatever you need to do to meditate on that and make sure you understand that, is critical because a lot of the things that we're gonna say here thereafter don't make sense until you understand what we're talking about when we say internal versus external. So if you need to replay that, please do. But those are sort of the anatomy and physiology rules of what is internal versus what is external. So atmosphere around us, which includes air, includes the food we eat, all of those things, and then blood is what we're mainly going to think of when we think of something that is internal, okay? Now, when we look at the different types of membranes that we have, whether it be respiratory system, gastrointestinal system, or skin, we are going to look at 
layers of epithelial tissue. Do we need one layer or do we need multiple layers? And beyond that, what size or shape cell do we need for the structure and the function of that particular tissue? For layers, we, th we call things strata or stratified. And so we have two types of layers, either simple or stratified. And all those mean simple means one layer of whatever we're going to say. Stratified means multiple layers of whatever we're going to say. So I'll give you two examples before we go into our definitions here. Simple squamous epithelium versus stratified squamous epithelium. The only difference is how many layers of squamous epithelium there are. Squamous, especially when we pronounce it fast, sounds really foreign, but if you slow it down, squamous, hopefully you think square, and that's where it gets its name is based on the square. So if we had simple squamous epithelium, it would be the thinnest type of epithelium you could have, and we would want that if we were trying to absorb something or exchange something. So if we're trying to absorb nutrients in the small intestine, or we're trying to exchange respiratory gases, that would be a type of epithelial tissue we would want to have. Much more common in the respiratory system. In fact, in the gastrointestinal system, it's more complex than that and generally thicker, but you get the idea. Do we need to absorb or exchange gases? And if so, this is a good type of tissue to have this simple squamous epithelium. If we need to recycle something, we may stick with squamous, but we may go to the stratified, which is the case with your skin. Your skin is always recycling and layers are moving upward or superficial. And so by having four, five more layers of simple squamous epithelium stacked on top of each other to become stratified, we can then sort of recycle through that skin and have different characteristics at each layer. So again, with simple squamous epithelium, it gets its name squamous from its square shape, and it gets the name simple by having one layer. These are highly diffusible cells. So again, if we need to exchange respiratory gases or we need to bring in some sort of product, this is going to be efficient at doing that, and we want to. Now, an inverse relationship exists between diffusible nature and structure or protection. As you can imagine, the thinner the tissue, the better it is at exchanging respiratory gases, but the worse it is at providing structure and protection. We then have simple cuboidal. So we're still at the level of simple. Cuboidal gets its name from cube shape. So rather than being sort of a two-dimensional square, we're now a cube. So much thicker than squamous. It means your structure is going to increase, but your diffusible nature is going to decrease. So the more structure you have, the less diffusible nature you have and vice versa. We then have one more layer of simple that we could possibly have and that is simple columnar epithelium. So these are column shaped, but they're still one layer thick. So we still want to be able to diffuse something, although this is not super sought after for diffusing, but where we need to diffuse, but also provide a decent amount of structure we may have something like this. This would be something that was more common in upper areas of the respiratory system or the gastrointestinal system. We then have pseudostratified columnar epithelium. This is the first time we hear the word stratified, but we, we 
add the prefix of pseudo. Pseudo means fake. So this essentially translates to fake layered columnar epithelium. So instead of being a true column shape, a rectangular shape, it is a teardrop shape usually where you have a wide base and a narrow top or opposite, wide top, narrow base. And what this does is take the nucleus for each cell and sort of stack them on top of each other. So when scientists were first discovering this, when they were first discovering what God had created so long ago, and looking down on this, it looked like you had nuclei that were stacked on top of each other. So what you either had was a cell with multiple nuclei, or you had two cells that were stacked on top of each other. And so originally this was designed, or not designed, excuse me, this was classified as being stratified. Because think of it this way. If you had two layers of cuboidal epithelium, you would see nucleus, nucleus. And so that would tell you that there's multiple layers, and so you can classify it as stratified. So originally this was classified as a stratified epithelium. But in dissection and learning more, it was realized that these are different shaped columnar cells and they are in fact one layer thick, despite that wide top, narrow base, or vice versa. So we say it's pseudostratified, but in fact it's actually simple. Again, pseudostratified translates to fake layers. So this is a simple epithelium, but it's not equivalent to simple columnar epithelium because of these teardrop shapes that are usually present. We then have stratified squamous epithelium. So we're going back to squamous, that almost two-dimensional square shape, but this is stratified, so this is multiple layers. This would be an example of your skin where it's highly recyclable. So now when we go to stratified, we need to have diffusion as something that is considered, but we also need to have recyclable nature as something that's considered on how often do we go through a layer of these cells. For skin, it's usually 35 days or less, how often we recycle all the way through the epidermis. We then have stratified cuboidal epithelium. So again, we're going to the cube shape, but we're gonna stack those cubes. So again, as our structure increases, our diffusible nature decreases. But we make this stratified if we need to recycle tissue. And when I think of recycling in this way, I almost think of a Pez dispenser. If you're old enough to remember what a Pez dispenser is, I'm not sure if they still sell them. Maybe they still do, so that's not really an old joke, but uh, nevertheless, I don't think they're as popular as they used to be if they're still around. But in a Pez dispenser, you would place candy in the bottom and open and latch it and candy would come out the top. And those lower pieces of candy would work their way up with every sort of ratchet, right? So you're kind of recycling through. The bottom cell eventually becomes the top cell and so on and so forth. We then have stratified columnar epithelium. This is multiple layers as stratified would indicate. These are column shapes as columnar would indicate. But the recyclable nature of this is going to be fairly minimal. This is going to be fairly minimal in terms of diffusion as well. But this is going to be where a high amount of structure is required. And then the last form of epithelium often in textbooks will be listed as a separate type of epithelium, but really it's another version of stratified squamous epithelium. It's called transitional epithelium. To this point in time, all that we found in terms of scientists and what they've observed from God's creation 
is that this is found exclusively in the urinary system in an area or areas that are often distended or stretched. So these unique stratified squamous epithelial tissues can transition from one shape to another shape and accept or accommodate distension or stretch. So we call them transitional epithelium, even though they truly are a varied version of stratified squamous epithelium. So again, some textbooks will list them as a subcategory to stratified squamous epithelium. Some textbooks will list them separately entirely. As we always do, let's announce our sponsor, which is us. It is biblicalanatomy.com. I mentioned in the beginning of the episode that we have some exciting things going on with our academy. We're looking forward to a January launch. We're aiming for the week of January 8th as our launch. We're going to hold class twice a week for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes per session. And we're going to go through one subject matter basically per week. We're going to focus on one system. We're going to structure it and treat it like a college course, and we're going to run 16 weeks. We're going to have quizzes in the midst of it. We're going to have a final exam. We may even have a midterm, and uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be really good. It's going to be really good. It's suited for those that are homeschooled. It's suited for those that are in a gap year that are looking to decide what they want to go to college for. And it's even suited for those that are in college that may be in anatomy and physiology but are struggling. And as I've mentioned many times on this show, uh, oftentimes when we're at the college level, we are left to our own devices. We are in a lecture hall of 100 plus students and our access to the instructor is basically non-existent. So with this live membership, this synchronous membership, students are gonna have face-to-face access to me or whoever is teaching the class. And with that, your questions can be answered. With that, it can be described in a way that is most beneficial to your learning and your learning style. It's truly going to be tailor-made for the student in ways that traditional college lectures are not tailor-made to the student. I'll save further discussion for another day. I could go on and on and on about the state of university education, higher education, even public education, but I'll save that for another time and day. But if you know someone that is a homeschooler, specifically of the high school age, if you know someone that's in a gap year that's trying to decide what they want to do and they're interested in things of medical nature, interested in biological sciences, or if someone is a college student and they are currently enrolled in anatomy and physiology but they are struggling, uh, please send them our way as we know that not only by teaching things biblically, but by providing a more intimate one-on-one experience that we're going to be able to help these students really achieve what they need to achieve. We won't limit ourselves completely to anatomy and physiology. In future semesters, we'll teach other biological science-based courses as we continue to grow. But as the name states, Biblical Anatomy Academy, that is how we are going to get our start. So send us an email. Our email is in the show notes. If you're watching this through some platform that doesn't have the show notes, you can contact us at podcast at biblicalanatomy.com. And again, our website, real simple, biblicalanatomy.com. 
Take-home message for today is that epithelial tissues serve as a barrier from inside the body to outside the body, and that different shaped tissues exist depending on the need and characteristics of that tissue. Again, we have a couple things there. Inside the body and outside the body was our first major hurdle. We had to define what is inside and what is outside. And then our second major hurdle was the inverse relationship between structure and diffusible nature. And as we always do, let's conclude with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.